Welcome back to From the Field. My name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church, and I'm here with Tyler Duravitz, executive pastor of Ridgeline and president of MyXP. Today, we're going to talk about how to work for deep connection in digital space. With all this social distancing and shelter-in-place precautions right now, we're all trying to keep our communities connected and hopefully still trying to be mindful of helping new people connect too. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, Connection for us uh, is and always has been very important. And the reason for that is that as followers of Jesus, we're called to make disciples and you can't disciple people you don't connect. And so as I mentioned last week, we have a guiding document that we've used for just over 10 years now that we call The Vital Few, seven guiding practices that keep us faithful and fruitful. And today's topic is a combination of two of those. The first one is creating catalysts for connection. That we say, uh, connection is critical to the mission of making disciples. Since it can't be forced, manufactured, or programmed, we create environments to cultivate genuine connections. So we'll talk about that a little bit today. But we also want to talk about this other principle for us that we call providing clear next steps. We labor to provide clear next steps for new people. Because connection is crucial in our mission to make disciples, every member must own the responsibility of living with missional intentionality and helping new people make their way from first exposure to full partnership. Our systems are complex, but connection is simple. So today we're going to talk about uh, those two things. And one of the things that you said last week that I thought was really, really important for people to internalize is the you emphasize the need for us to move beyond the belief that everything to do with this coronavirus, social distancing, church being online, we have to move away from this idea that this is going to be over in a week. Because at this point, we're looking at uh, weeks, it's definitely not days, maybe even months. Uh, so we can't just sit around waiting to get back to church as usual, or we're not going to have churches to get back to. But what we want to do is uh, rather than like one thing that we really believe in is we don't believe that there is one prescribed way that every church should function. Right. We largely abhor that. So what we do believe is that there are principles that people should figure out how to contextualize and work out in their own context. And so we're going to talk about four of those today. And uh, you always refer to them as like tent poles. And so we're going to frame these tent poles today as questions. And we believe these are four questions that pastors and ministry leaders have to be able to answer if they're going to foster deep connection, particularly in digital space right now. Great. So you have a ton. You've done a ton of work on this. You uh, have largely created all of the ways that we do this at our church. So we'll talk about the way we do it, and yep. people got to figure it out for themselves. But the first question is, how are you pushing content or services out? So as you think about the way that we've been doing that, the way mm-hmm. that some of the other churches that you work with do that, talk a little bit about thinking through how to push content out in services and maybe give some advice that you might have about some of the best ways to do that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, what was really helpful, uh, one of the members of our church who um, was highly involved, he also spends a lot of time in uh, the design community and digital community, all of that, uh, as this kind of came out and we were wondering whether or not we would have uh, services online and stream and all of that. Uh, we were already kind of working on it and we got this sort of webinar that he sent us. And it's these two guys that like live in that space and streaming and all of that. 
Um, but they posted something on LinkedIn because they're both Christian men and they felt like this is probably going to need to be mm-hmm. helpful for churches. And I think that there are a lot of ways to go about it. But if you are still kind of struggling or maybe one week you did Facebook Live and the next week you did something else and that kind of thing, uh, I think the the pieces of advice that we got from them were the most helpful uh, and the reasoning behind it is great. And so I think if you're looking for what is your platform or what should your primary platform be, I can't enough recommend YouTube. Okay. I think YouTube is going to be a great option for people. And right away I thought, well, I mean, Facebook Live is so easy. Why not do that? Uh, and his point was really valid. And even as we've had people participate at Ridgeline services, uh, they post pictures and everyone's posting a picture watching it from their television. Mm-hmm. Or at least a lot of people are because yeah. people are stuck at home. And uh, what YouTube allows, whether it be throwing from your phone or just built-in smart TV apps, is the ability to stream right from your TV. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big win uh, for people to be able to participate in that way. It, it kind of feels more like a natural event that the whole family would do, gathering around the living room and watching TV and that kind of thing. Uh, I would also say it's been uh, fairly easy. You know, we had a couple of speed bumps along the way. And uh, the first week we had to like, we our feed got cut halfway through and we had to pivot to Facebook Live. And why why think, was that again? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I never really figured it out. Uh, I think that there's some different protocols. I think also uh, we had a brand new streaming account. We don't stream regularly. Yeah. And so I had just activated it. There was a 24-hour turnaround period. And I really think that um, YouTube probably throttles what you can do to begin with. Mm-hmm. And so maybe our service was a bit too long. Regardless, I know that that hasn't been an issue for us this last week or wasn't an issue for any of the churches that we support. So mm-hmm. I call it an anomaly. Mm-hmm. And who knows? Uh, but YouTube has been a really, really great option to be able to share with friends and family, especially because a lot of people don't have Facebook. Yeah. And I think we, we all understand that there's some people who maybe have made a really um, uh, well thought out, critically processed decision about why they shouldn't have Facebook. Maybe mm-hmm. it's been a bit of an issue for them in the past for one reason or another. And I sure. certainly wouldn't want our church's behavior to lead somebody back into something that they have really decided not to participate in their life. And so that's where I think YouTube also uh, serves as a great option for people. Yeah. I think another thing for people to think about in addition to how they're going to stream is just what they're going to have their weekly stream consist of. Mm. Cause even so what we're two weeks in and we pros. Yeah. (laughs) Experts killing it. So, and already made changes from week one to two. I would say I've gotten some questions about, um, I would say, at the minimum, um, pastors streaming, whether it's a full sermon or some kind of encouraging devotional, something needs to be streamed um, from them for sure. I've gotten some texts this week asking if I've shortened the length of my sermon during this, and I have. I'm trying to stick to about 30 minutes. But I think it's really important just to be realistic about how long people want to sit and watch a stream. Sure. So I think I've been uh, trying to stick closer to 30 minutes. I'm also using it as an opportunity to try to shorten my sermons in general. Yeah. Just it forces it. So I think that is a minimum. I'll, I'll say one, one place that we've made an adjustment just in two weeks is the first week. I know a lot of churches are streaming like a full worship service. Yeah. And I make a lot of decisions based off trying to put myself like, what would I want? Yeah. And I had a really hard time with... I just don't really see Tammy and I like standing in front of our TV, worshiping with the TV. So the first week we did no music at all. Yeah. Um, I think what I underestimated though is I listen to a ton of worship music already Mm -hmm. and I was a worship pastor. So I'm very plugged into that world and it's a regular part of my life. And that's not true for a lot of people. Sure. 
And so last week we did have one of our worship leaders come and just do one song. And rather than even positioning it as like a corporate worship sing to your TV kind of thing, we use it as an opportunity for we're, we're having our team minister over our church by singing over them. Okay. And uh, I think that's been really good. It's been good for our church to see their faces yeah. and um, to be able to be sung over and ministered to that way. So I would say that's two things, yeah. uh, just really being mindful about that. And then the last thing I think that we'll probably talk about in a few minutes is that we still do like full announcements sure. where we talk about connection in particular, where we are specifically talking to new people. So we'll come to that. Anything else as far as that comes to mind when you think about some of the things that you've learned in the last couple of weeks as far as pushing content and services out? Yeah. So I think um, that services, I think in addition, we've done some other content pieces. Uh, you've done uh, the Ridgeline Daily Feed, mm-hmm. uh, which is basically, I think they've been about five minutes long. Five to seven, yeah, I think. Five yeah, five to seven minutes long. Uh, and it's just kind of a devotional moment. Uh, it's something that um, the feedback we've gotten from our people and others who have participated and listened um, is that it really uh, is a blessing to them. I know mm-hmm. I've been listening to it and mm-hmm. it for sure is for me as well. And I think that really that's sort of an outflow of kind of your own devotional time as well. So it's not a matter of uh, writing a whole new sermon or something like that, but it's really just an opportunity to connect with like God at the beginning of your day or end of your day or when you do it. And so I think that's been great. I think one of the ideas that you had, uh, even as we talked about that was, you know, you can always set up a new uh, feed for your podcast. You can do a lot of different things. It's pretty easy nowadays to get a new podcast going. As a side note, if you're one of the people who are doing that type of thing, um, it's about a week turnaround uh, for the approval process from iTunes and Google Play. And so just uh, don't have that be something that takes you off guard. Uh, You're going to have to wait on that. But I really loved – initially, I would have – set it up as a totally separate feed. Mm-hmm. And you made the comment of, well, it's going to have to require everyone subscribing to something new and mm-hmm. all of those kind of things. And uh, I'm really glad we did it the way that we did. Mm-hmm. One, from a complexity standpoint, I don't think anyone's looking for more complexity right now. Yeah. And so that was super helpful for us. But then also, it wasn't one more thing our people need to do. And I think ultimately, when this season is over, or if we're not doing them anymore, we can delete them out of our kind of sermon series feed, or we yeah. can leave... You know, There's a lot of ways to handle it, but I think that was the way for you to go from like conceptual idea to live in somebody's podcast um, Mm -hmm. listener within a few hours. Yeah. So we just put that out on our regular sermon feed. Yep. We didn't start a new podcast. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. All right. So first question to wrestle with is how are, how and what, I guess, are you pushing out content wise and uh, what are you doing with services? How are you doing that? So that's the first one. Second question I think to really think through is do you have a way for new people to identify themselves and express a desire to connect? Uh, One thing that we've seen, one thing that I've seen from a lot of people who are streaming for the first time is that they are getting, um, the numbers of people who are watching streams are exponentially higher than the number of people who are attending their church. Absolutely. So we have people who are watching uh, that, number one, might live out of state, and I, I, I'm, you know, I'm not super concerned with helping people out of state become like a connected part of Ridgeline necessarily because sure, sure. they aren't going to be once we go back to, you know, physical space again. Um, but we also have people in Salt Lake right now that are watching the Ridgeline Sunday stream that don't come to Ridgeline, right. and have never come. And so we've tried to really, we made it a shift really quick to think like, okay, how do we take, how do we make a way for these people to identify and connect? So talk about how we do that. 
Yeah. So I think one thing, uh, most every church has some sort of connection card, Mm -hmm. something that people fill out to identify themselves as new. And I think uh, it has varying levels of effectiveness and and, uh, helpfulness and what's being collected on the card, all of that. The problem is right now, you're not there to get the card from anyone. And I think that churches have to respond so quickly because to your point, we have received, uh, I mean, we had someone in the local area who uh, participated in our service for the very first time, mm-hmm. submitted an info card, and you're going to reach out to them. And you just like, did. Uh, you just did yeah. and built a relationship with this person who may eventually called Ridgeline Church Home because right. of this opportunity. I think I also just want to say what a great opportunity to, uh, in a non-kind of confrontational way, invite somebody to church. Uh, making sure that we're creating an environment where people who are taking those steps, uh, even to click a link might be very courageous for them. And they might join for a bit and drop off. There's a lot of things that are happening, but are we capitalizing on the fact that when they're ready to take that step and say, you know what, I'm willing to let you know who I am. Mm -hmm. Do we have an opportunity for that? And um, I think the churches have to solve that so fast. And there's so many quick, easy, inexpensive ways to do it. Uh, For us, we have something that we call ridgeline.info. Uh, this kind of info site, basically what we call a digital bulletin, uh, has been something that we've used in ministry for years now. Uh, it was something that a couple of guys that were a part of our very first church plant sort of uh, kind of came up with. Uh, their names were Eric and Matt, and they came up with those. And uh, it was Redemption Mobile for a while, and it's continued to morph and change. But all these years later, about, um, I think, over 10 years Mm -hmm. later, we're still utilizing it. And it's still a huge impact on our church family. Uh, For us, for Ridgeline, it's the only way uh, that people kind of uh, let us know who they are, that uh, we communicate events, prayer requests, all of that kind of stuff. But a lot of churches um, have either no other option or they have kind of a dual option. And now we're in a place where that digital option is the only way that they can participate. And uh, specifically, the way that people take their steps of getting connected is what we we call the info card. The info card is really people's very first step to letting us know. I actually uh, regularly tell the churches I support that the most crucial step in discipleship for someone is receiving their information. Right. Because if somebody says to you, pastor, I put my faith in Jesus this week. Can you give me a call? And you don't have their phone number. That's like a huge pastor fail. Yeah. And I think that we assume that people have identified themselves, but I think that people are really careful with their personal information nowadays. I think people aren't sure what you're going to do with it. I think people are wary uh, Mm -hmm. just in general. There's all kinds of reasons why uh, you have some people who fill out the card on the first week and check every box. I'm here to tell you those people probably aren't going to stick around at your church very Mm -hmm. long. They do that at all the churches they go to. Um, But you also have other people that take a while. I mean, we've seen it. People take six months to a year before they finally fill out an info card. We have one gal at our church who's still like, I know who she is. We interact. She attends all sorts of things and she will not fill out an info card. And Mm -hmm. that's fine. And I think uh, to each their own, uh, but we want to make sure that it's never on our end that they don't fill it out, that we have it made as, uh, as easy as possible and as clear as possible for them to be able to engage. And again, right now, digitally is the only option. I have uh, supported some churches where I've presented the idea of a dot info site to them and they have felt like maybe it wasn't the right uh, thing for their church. Maybe they didn't like the idea of people utilizing devices in their church. And I think that whether or not this is a 
sustainable thing you can continue to do, we can talk about later. But for right now, it's the only option we have. If, if you're really hoping that people might mail you in the connection card, I think that um, this is going to come and go and you're going to have no connection cards waiting in the mail. Right. So we, I think there's a couple things that we've, uh, that we've done over the years that have led to uh, a higher percentage of info cards being mm-hmm. filled out. Absolutely. Um, so I, two things that come to mind for me is one, we are um, very open about the fact and unapologetic about the fact that our announcement time, which right now for us happens at the end of our stream, it yep. also happens at the end of our service yep. uh, in physical services because we have found that people are more inclined to fill out an info card after they've been through the service than they are at the beginning. Yep. So we put our announcements at the end. Um, and we are unapologetic about the fact that our announcements by and large are to help new people take their next step. They're not primarily about like, here's every event that's coming up. We want to help new people take their next step. So they are largely with the exception of, of maybe one very big thing that, that that applies to the whole church. Yep. It's, they are exactly the same every week. Which some people don't like, sure, and that's okay because it's not for you. Right, it's for new people. Right. If you're new, it's extremely helpful. And so, I think one is we make that that same. We are intentional about helping new people take their next steps in the announcements every week. That's huge. The second yep. thing is that you always have the entire church fill out an info card. So, talk a little bit about why we do that. the reason that we ask everyone to fill it out every week is twofold. Uh, one, uh, we're trying to create an environment where everyone's doing the same thing at the same time. So if what we said was so it feels less you, awkward. Exactly. So if what we said was, uh, if you're new with us today, go ahead and fill out your info card, and we're going to stop and let you do that. Right. Um, then they're the only ones doing anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so one, we want to create an environment where we're all participating in the same way. And then two, the other thing that has changed radically since we've done it that way is the number of prayer requests we get from our regular people. So I know some churches are big into attendance and tracking attendance and all of that. Uh, that's not something that we do on a person by person basis. I think the challenge with that is you'll never get everyone to fill out these things. And mm-hmm. so your data is skewed to begin with. And I just, I, I can't handle it. If data's not right, there's no point in it. I just, mm-hmm. that's, that's the way I feel about it. Uh, but I think that what we want to do is make sure that everyone uh, submits a prayer request. Uh, the, the tool that we utilize, we utilize planning center for everything. I'm sure one of these episodes will be dedicated to my love of all things planning center. However, mm, I'm looking forward uh, to that. Episode. Oh, yeah. gonna <laughs> but be, you're going to be real excited. That might be a solo one. episode. It <laughs> might be, might be. That's fair. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, people submit their prayer requests and then you and I, um, as the recipients of that, wake up to this greatly formatted email in our inbox Monday morning with all the prayer requests that have been received from the day before. And so it's a really a great tool for us to be able to pray for our church family. I know that from the kind of admin side of things, you've utilized those prayer requests to fuel sermon series. hundred uh, percent. We, you know, the, again, the tool who I write cards use, to, who I follow absolutely. up with during the week, all of that. The tool that we use actually binds that to those people's profile. And so we can kind of look and see uh, how they've been doing over a period of time, uh, yeah. whether it be marriages or relationships, all of those kind of things. And, and so, before we did it, yes. before we had people 
all fill out the info card every week. We used to get like, I mean, I remember at Redemption, we 10. literally got less than 10, like yep. off like three to six usually. And then the, literally the Sunday that we made the shift, everybody filling yep. it out, we immediately jumped to 50 to 100 prayer requests based on where our attendance was yeah. at every single week. 100%. Which is exactly what's happened at Ridgeline too. Absolutely. And it does just open those lines of communications because we tell people it's a prayer request or anything else that we need to be made aware of. Yeah. Uh, and what I love is um, the nice thing about the tool is that you have to put your name and email address. Uh, for years, we've not believed in anonymous feedback. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to submit something, you have to put your name and email address to like yeah. get it through. And so I think that that's a huge help as well. But I think asking everyone in the room, and truthfully, when I heard somebody talk about that, we were doing it another way. Uh, and I really thought that that was crazy. I thought it was so such just such a horrible idea. Mm-hmm. But I also knew that the people that were kind of facilitating the training had really uh, a great track record in getting people connected to their church and growth and all of those kind of things. And so I just felt like, you know what, I'm not going to be quite so arrogant to assume I know as a new church planter differently than they know. And it has been a huge game changer for our churches are for our church and then mm-hmm. all the churches that we support. Totally. All right. So we talked about pushing out content mm-hmm. uh, and how to do that. We've talked about the question of, do you have a way for new people to identify themselves and express a desire to connect? Uh, the third one is related to the last one. Once yep. you have people's information is the question of how are you following up? Mm-hmm. This has changed. I mean, I think we've probably used virtually every mode of follow-up imaginable. <laughs> sure. Um, and, and truthfully, and I think that this, this is a timely time is a timely point to talk about it because I think that different modes of follow-up have worked more effectively at different times. Yeah. And I think we talked about this a little bit last week as well. But let's talk about how we're going about following up. Like, I think one of the worst things that you could do is you get information that is from uh, maybe specifically a new person, and then you do nothing with it. Right. Or you get you know, some pertinent piece of information from an existing member of your church and do nothing with it. So information, just getting people's information is not the win. It's how the information sets us up to help people connect. So what are some of the ways that we go about following up on some of the information that we get from people. Sure. So I think one, um, all the church management systems out there have some kind of tool or some kind of way to get people plugged into, whether it be a workflow or something else. So that to your point that we know that somebody's new. Yeah. So in our case, we've got it kind of parameter set to know is someone new every once in a while, maybe a duplicate profile shows up in there that we just delete. But There's one or two in, people in our church that yeah. have like 75 new profiles. I yeah. don't know how they do it. I don't know if they start a new email every week, Yeah. but by and large, well, everyone has one. Yeah. And that's an interesting thing. You know, I feel like new people, they're like uh, levels of email address. It's sort of like the temple. So you get the like outer email address that nobody cares about. AOL or Juno. Yeah. Then you yeah. like keep working in until finally people are like, all right, so this is my email address. <laughs> yeah. The one they actually check and look at. <laughs> right. But that could take anywhere between, I don't know, six months to 12 years for some people. <laughs> right. So uh, yeah. So I think that um, making sure that something happens, mm-hmm. uh, we always, uh, the first thing that happens is uh, the next morning you wake up to an automated email. Right. I think, and people know that it's automated. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I would actually be 
disappointed. If I gave you my information and I didn't get something with like a blurb and some stuff, we have a special page on our website. It's a video from you. Mm -hmm. There's some like wallpapers. There's an invitate, a gift that we give upon your second visit uh, when we're visiting in person, all of that. And so uh, there's a, there's a email that no one looks at and thinks, Oh wow, that was handcrafted for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's, it's all the important stuff. And here's, uh, here's us on social media and here's how you can ask questions. And there are things that people expect absolutely. And so that's really step one uh, in our process. Yeah. And then for me, um, mine is the more like the less automated, more human touch yep. part of it. So, man, I've written, I've handwritten cards. I've, I've, I mean, I've done that for the last two years here. Yeah, absolutely. Handwritten cards to new people. Um, when people give for the first time, I write a card to them. Yep. Um, we've done text messages, we've done emails. And what we're doing right now that is a shift for us, uh, is making phone calls Mm -hmm. Uh, early on at redemption in Chicago. I made phone calls for a couple of years in follow up, and it took that long before we realized like I only got voicemail from people and it was largely pointless. Yep. So that's why we switched to handwritten cards and things like that right now. It's been interesting just in the last couple of weeks to see how much more frequently number one, people are available And two, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's just a sign that we're that starved for connection, but people are answering their phones. And so I'm back to making phone calls to new people, uh, as well as, you know, people in our church as well, but just making those calls. Another thing that we do is uh, for the last two years, I'd been meeting with every new person that was interested. I'd meet with them for coffee all over the Salt Lake Valley. I've been, I think, almost to every coffee shop in Salt Lake. (laughs) Sure. Um, just to get to know them, let them get to know me and to tell our story and to answer questions. That's like the big thing. And, um, we've just started doing that in the form of a lunch and obviously we can't do that right now. So we've moved that over to zoom where on the info side, in fact, if people want an example, they should check ridgeline.info because they can see our info site. Just pull it up on your phone even now and you'll see there's a button, right? Where someone can schedule uh, a zoom with me yep, to be able to do Ryan. that. So, so yeah, we use, um, a tool called acuity. There's Calendy. There's all kinds of those, man. I hope those people are getting a bum rush on subscriptions. And I think that right now is a great opportunity to use that. I think previously, um, I think you have to be careful. You have to know your church. It can seem a little impersonal. It can seem a little, uh, inhuman. It can, you know, here's my link, go ahead and schedule some time. And I think that, um, what we've seen right now is that people love being being able to choose uh, the time that works for them. Uh, I think that uh, what's great about that is that people can uh, pick the date and the time that works for them. And then also we have it, you know, uh, it integrates natively with Zoom. Mm-hmm. And so people have the ability to uh, click the link, put up their name. The Zoom link is sent. They get a confirmation email. They're going to get a reminder email. There's a lot of things like that that, again, uh, I'm not advocating this as like a wholesale, this is how you connect with people in your church. Sure. But for where we're at right now, making sure that people have access to you is important. Uh, you have the ability to put in parameters about your availability. It's They're great tools, uh, largely inexpensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just really, I think it's a great option to be able to just let people know Uh 
you we would love to meet with you. Totally. Uh, the one thing that we're doing, we found uh, as people do this or post it online, sometimes you get like meetings scheduled with randos. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so we ask people, you know, do you call Ridgeline your church home? Because yeah. uh, right now, you know, our focus is really on shepherding the people that God's entrusted to us, not the larger not community. Not the person who read my book and was like, it takes me 10 hours and I'd like to tell you why eight hours is impossible. Yeah. 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 I'm not those super people. excited about mm-hmm. those Zoom uh-huh. calls. I know you're not. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think uh, that that's that's really good. Um, so we've talked about um, how the, f- the four questions we're looking at. The first one's how are you pushing content and services out? Mm-hmm. Do you have a way for new people to identify themselves and express a desire to connect? Thirdly, how are you following up? And then lastly, uh, and this is one that's been super important for us, is how are you helping your church stay connected to you and one another? So yeah. now we're not talking about new people. Um, we're talking primarily about the people who call your church home that right now have been very displaced and that they don't have a regular Sunday gathering. They don't have a small group. They don't have anything right now. So how are you helping your church stay connected to you and one another? So let's talk about how we've tried to basically shift all of this to the internet. And also, I, I just feel like Zoom has to be doing so well right now. Oh, they're doing, I think they're the only stock in America that is like up, up, up. Is Zoom. Oh, yeah. They're doing so yeah, great. So well. Yeah. So let's now, let's talk a little bit about, because I mean, you could be listening and thinking like, well, that sounds great, but we can't be with anyone mm. right now. Yeah. So we'll talk about how we've shifted. Uh, just This is just some ideas maybe to get people thinking. Two weeks ago, we did our first church-wide prayer night on Zoom. Yeah. And, um, I thought that was going to be a colossal (laughs) awkward failure. Sure. And it was our highest attended prayer night that we've ever had in the history of our church. hundred percent. I think we had over 50 people on zoom. Yep. (laughs) Excuse me. And we used breakouts to be able to then go to smaller groups that you can talk a little bit about because a lot of people still don't know that that exists. Yeah. Um, but, but that was such a number one, the impact, like the thing I keep hearing from people when we get on these calls is it like, I didn't realize how encouraging it was going to be to see people's face. Mm. So I think text messages are so great and social can be really helpful and phone calls are better. And there's something about still seeing people's face that is really, really important. And so we actually went from the prayer meeting that went so well to something that we call the hub, which is every Wednesday night from seven to eight church wide, we meet on zoom and then we break into, so I start with just one hour, about 10 minutes of me giving some announcements, keeping people connected to everything that's going on. Then we go to breakouts, which we'll talk about in a second. Mm -hmm. And, uh, then we have about six to eight people in each breakout. And they're with the same people every week right now. And they're talking about, we, we give them some kind of prompt question. That's like a get to know you better. We do what we call the rose and the thorn, which is your high and your low from yeah. the week. And then to share a prayer request. Yep. And I think what's amazing about this is I, I already, I get emotional every time I think about the day, the Sunday when we all get to come back together, because by God's grace, it is coming and we're having a big party when it does, but how amazing it's going to be on that day when we all come back together and the people from your hub, largely that a lot of these people did not know beforehand. For sure. They're going to know in an intimate way. Totally. And finally be able to hug them and see them. And that's just going to be, so I think it is one of the few silver linings of Mm -hmm. right now, at least for our church is, is that. So 
that's that's the two things that we're we're doing a monthly prayer night and then the weekly hub thing that's yeah. been really important for us. But just for people that may not know anything about breakouts, yeah. anything you want to say about that? Yeah, I think the big thing is to Google Zoom and breakout rooms. They actually have a little video available, and so you can kind of see that. If you're using Zoom, great. If you're not, uh, sign up for it. It's great. Uh, it's a great tool. Uh, I think it's worth churches investing the $15 a month so that people don't get cut off to 40 minutes. I've seen mm-hmm. some churches come out with instructions to just sign up for the free one, but you have to like hang up and dial back in every 40 minutes. Uh, If you are a 501c3 church, uh, you have the ability to get Zoom for 50% off, which is huge. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know that I signed up one of the churches I support and they saved about $800 on all of their Zoom stuff. And Mm -hmm. so a huge win. And now they have it for the year. I think what's going to be interesting on the other side of this is to see how we interact with tools like that moving forward. Uh, I don't know that they're going to all just go back in the closet, but we might come up with some sort of hybrid something like that. But yeah, Zoom breakout rooms basically gives you the ability so to take a group of 50 people to whittle it down into as many people in it as many groups as you want. You can manually assign them. You can have Zoom automatically assign them. And then what's amazing is as the admin, you have the ability to broadcast to the groups. And so it kind of is a pop-up notification uh, that tells people kind of what they should be thinking about, Mm -hmm. praying about, talking about. And then once the Zoom breakout rooms are done, you even get a countdown so Mm -hmm. you know when you're going to be done. And then you're kind of all sucked back back into the big uh, group and you can close. Yeah, it's awesome. All right. Well, just to recap uh, what we've talked about, the the first is um, that we just we really need to get our heads around. uh, This is not a uh, we're not probably all going to be through this in the next week or two. So we're settling into an extended season of of having to connect in a digital space. And how do we do that? Well, and so we've brought four questions up that pastors, ministry leaders, staff members need to wrestle with to do this well. One is how are you pushing and what are you pushing out content-wise and service-wise? Uh, do you have a way for new people to identify themselves and express a desire to connect? How are you following up? And then how are you helping your church stay connected to you and one another? I think if we can answer those four questions in a way that works for mm-hmm. our church, we will thrive, not just survive this season. And I think just in closing, I think the 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 pastors and the churches that I feel for the most right now are the ones that were not like, not, not all churches have built themselves on technology. Sure. And I feel for them right now. I feel for pastors that have not thought through that. This was not part of their culture initially. And so they're just super overwhelmed trying to figure out how to even use some of these tools or which tool to use. So I just want to continue to say, if you're feeling very overwhelmed by that, Mm. the answer is not just bury your head in the sand. Um, You can always uh, reach out to my XP on that, whether it's info sites, you know, all of that stuff. So that's just hello at my XP. Is that right? Yeah. So if you go to hell or if you send an email to hello at my XP dot church, We'd love to connect with you, specifically if you are really stuck on what does it mean to have an info site or some sort of digital expression to get people connected. We would be able to take care of that for you very quickly and also very reasonably, even if it's kind of maybe you're not ready for the full relationship, but you just need this project handled. Mm -hmm. Uh, We would be able to get it up and off the ground and something 
that you could be utilizing very, very soon. Uh, you know, uh, this this podcast goes live on Monday. You could for sure have it for Sunday. So yeah, hello at awesome. myxp.church. Great. That's good. And then, um, you know, especially if you're a church planter or a lead pastor and you feel like you're having a hard time right now, I just want you to know I am too. Uh, this is not, while we have figured out a way to do this. I don't love this. I don't think anyone does. I think we're a few days into Zoom as being used for everything, and I'm already like all full up on Zoom. So if you're a pastor, (laughs) church planner, and you're having a hard time, and you just would like someone to talk to, then just email me, ryan at ridgeline.church. I'd be happy to chat with you, and we can encourage one another in the midst of this. Um, But yeah, if you want to follow us on social, uh, where do they find MyXP on Instagram? Um, my XP or hello, my XP. Hello, my XP. Yep. Right. At hello, my XP. Yes. That's right. <laughs> and then you can find me at Ryan Hughley. That's H U G U L E Y. Um, but as always, thank you so much, uh, for listening to from the field today. Uh, if you have been helped by this or enjoy it, if you could, uh, share the episode, uh, if you could subscribe uh, on your podcast platform of choice and then also leave a review, any of those things would be a great help to us. So thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of From the Field.